0: Hey everyone, Anna Lytle here and Kat
1: Pusey. And welcome Welcome to to the the Modern Farm and Artisan Artisan Co-op podcast. We're here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to positively and powerfully impacting the Southern Utah community. Today I'm talking to Kat Pusey, the owner of
0: the Downtown Farmers Market and the West Village Farmers Market and the founder of the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op all of which are right here in St. George, Utah. If you are a regular at the markets, you probably know Kat. And if you aren't a regular yet, this is your chance to get to know the woman who is helping transform how we support our local community. Since Kat and I are co-hosting this podcast, we figured it would be a good idea to do some introductory episodes so all the listeners can get to know Kat and myself. So with that being said, let's get started. Well, first off, thank you so much, Kat, for talking with me today.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: So if you could just give us some info on your background and how you got where you are today.
1: Uh, right. So let's see. I, I feel like everybody always makes the joke that I've had nine lives because they have. I have a very varied background, but um, I come from corporate retail. So I got into uh, retail just like everybody else and accelerated really fast up the ladder Um and got promoted a couple of times, one of which brought me down here to St. George. We were here for a couple of years, then I was promoted to Denver. And when I was in Denver, I started having kind of some cognitive dissonance over, you know, we were having so many packages come in, and it was so wasteful, and it was just really disconnected. And um, around that time, that's when I got pregnant with my um, son, Ira, my only son. And um, we just kind of made some decisions. My husband and I had to have some hard conversations about what we wanted with our life and how we wanted him to be raised. And um, definitely we were not a fan of the snow again. And so we decided to move back and I decided to stay home with him. And just take some time and try and figure out my life. And so I stayed home with him uh, for the first year. And then I kind of started looking for just a part-time job. And my friend reached out to me and said that the local farmer's market needed a manager and she said, I think you'd be perfect for it. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. At, like it's right up my alley. So I interviewed for it and um, got it and just kind of fell in love with the whole scene and, and meeting people and becoming part of a community and knowing who is making my food and knowing who was making the th- the products that I was buying and so I started writing articles about them just kind of as a publicity thing and that summer out on the farms just changed my life it made me really look at everything completely different and I had this just completely different connection with the farmers and the food and and then at the end of the season you know the the old owners of the farmers market their businesses had grown so much they it's uh um, the founder was Nikki Pace and she owns and runs the Painted Pony and George's and she had two kids that are now in high school. And so, she, you know, her plate was just growing. And she said, you know, like we've really held on to this because we've been waiting for the right person. Would you be interested in taking it over? Because, you know, we are we need to move on. And I said, absolutely. So I bought the farmer's market from her. So I just dove headfirst into it. And um, just with working with them, and seeing their products, and and trying to figure out, and and listening to their troubles, and listening to where they are. They needed a middle ground. Not all of them are ready for wholesale, and not all of them can go into commercial selling and and restaurant supply. And then they can't get into the grocery stores because it's just them and their two kids, you know. And so we realized that there was a there needed to be a proving ground for them, a the next step that got them. In the public, let them gain a following. Let them test things, and um, that's when I started thinking of uh, MoFico, the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op. I found a, a really close-knit team, and we started working on this idea of basically a way to provide a space for them where it would be available for the community, where they would be able to hone their crafts, and um, so that's what we're launching. We're launching MoFico right now. It's taking a, it's taken a year. And, um, and then we just decided to support those local growers and makers that we would open a second year round farmers market here. And so our first farmers market, it takes place every Saturday, May through October at Ancestor Square in historic downtown, um, St. George. And then we have an indoor market every Wednesday night from four to seven, um, year round at West Village. So the West Village farmers market. So that's my. That's my background.
0: (laughs) So then how long have you been
1: the owner? Like a a year? Yeah. Right. This is actually going into my second season. Your second season as the owner. We're gearing up for the second season. Yeah. Okay. And you said
0: that when you were working retail, that was kind of like your awakening to the problem. So there wasn't anything before that that kind of sparked an
1: interest in this? I've always, I've always been a maker, um, my whole life, um, you know, like I was very young when I started crocheting and I love to cook. And my husband is an avid gardener. He is like, that is his thing. He's always grown us food. Um When we lived up in Salt Lake, you know, we were, we used to laugh because we were like, oh, we're two hippies in the basement dreaming of opening a farm to table restaurant. And that was like 10 years ago before we realized Oh, this is a thing that people could do. (laughs) You
0: You should go to Austin. That's all it
1: is. (laughs) We were just, um, we thought we were unique. We weren't. We just gave up. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I've always loved cooking with fresh food. I've always loved um, just, you know, like slowing down. I've always been obsessed with chickens. I've wanted them my whole life. This is my first year having chickens. It's always resonated with me. You know, I've always, when we traveled and when we'd go, on road trips, we would always make it a point to stop at the farmer's markets in town. And that's where we'd get our souvenirs. And that's where we'd get our breakfast. And that's where we'd kind of get a feel for the community. We'd listen to whoever was playing. You know, It's always been part of our life. I was still very disconnected to the realization that this is how people were making their living, or you could make a living, because I don't think that Society was really accepting of that. But now you have all of these really monumental changes where people are waking up. They're realizing, oh, this is an issue. Like we are on a food crisis. We are on a systems crisis. Like the way that we are doing things now is not sustainable. And people are seeing that. And I feel like this is just kind of this special. I know nobody thinks of it as special, but that's a positive wording. I feel like it's a special circumstance right now that we're living in where the opportunity to do it right and the opportunity to make a living and the opportunity for the education piece are all there.
0: Right. And people
1: are ready. Right.
0: Well, that's what's unique to this time we're living in is yeah. everyone has the access and the information. Yeah, You know, I think about before, like how would people even learn where to get started, how to like grow their own food. Right. So like they would have had to learn it from their family. But now you have access to I mean to unlimited information. It's kind of overwhelming.
1: Yeah. And it's like, and it's more on the overwhelming side. Right. Right. You, know?
0: you don't know like what's going to work in your area because mm-hmm. you, if you search up like how to garden, you're going to get results all the way across the country. That yeah. don't pertain
1: to your local. If you are listening from far away, Southern Utah is desert. Yeah, like we are in redstone, red sand. There's cactus everywhere. We have limited water supply, but there are ways to grow here, and there are people that have figured it out. And those people aren't on facebook audience. right so we don't have the yeah. access
0: but that's why we started the podcast yeah.
1: we're just hoping that this podcast really just makes you believe that it's possible it's so inspiring when you hear him say like oh no i failed so many times this is like you just guess i wasn't born with a green thumb i didn't nobody told me and you know because all that information is lost we're so removed from our food right. you know I'm like my grandparents my great-grandparents all grew their own food And within a matter of two generations, we don't have that. Right. Um, So it's really inspiring and heartening, I think, to hear these guys talk about, no, it's hard, but you figure it out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, then you kind of answered it a little bit. But if if you look back at your childhood, would there be any indication that you would have ended up doing what you're doing.
1: I think that, you know, there was a time when I wanted, I think every kid wanted to be a famous singer, you know, like a famous pop star or something, Britney Spears. And so there was a time where I really wanted to be famous, but I think everybody thought that I would be some kind of a designer. You know, I think that everybody thought that I would Cuz he did like crochet and yeah, stuff and I sewed. And- I I mean, I sewed all of my own prom dresses. Oh, that's awesome. You know, like I love sewing and I love crocheting. I love embroidering and I even though I don't have style. Like I have taste in certain things. And so I like to create things. And so I think people thought, oh, she's going to make something. Um, But definitely not with the farmer's market. My, I mean, my grandfather was an amazing gardener and he was so inspirational to me. I just, and I have very vivid memories uh, from my childhood about plants. You know, he taught me that honeysuckles were magic and that, you know, hummingbirds were f- signs, you know, and and then I would always hang out under there. They had this gigantic rhubarb bush, like it was probably four feet by four feet Holy in the cow. summer. Yeah. And it grew on the, on the side of their shed. And I would just, I remember sometimes I would wake up in the summer and I'd run because my dad lived kitty corner and their yards attached in the back. And I would run from my dad's house to my grandma's house and I'd run inside and I'd grab a knife and I'd grab some salt and I'd go outside and I would just hide in the rhubarb bush and cut it off, salt it, and just eat it just underneath the rhubarb bush. And I would just eat stalks and stalks of salt coated rhubarb. That's funny because rhubarb's not sweet at all, right? Oh no, it's sour. It was like candy. It was candy to me. That's so funny. Yeah, and I helped him with his tomatoes. He always had just rows and rows of tomatoes, and I just remember him picking them off the vine and like eating them like apples in the garden, like warm right off the vine um, under his seven foot sunflowers. Like he, wow. yeah, he had, that sounds pretty magical. I know, and like looking back on it, he was, he, it wasn't like he would have us play on rust. I don't know. He was a pretty cool dude it was pretty magical but yeah other than that like and then i moved to montana with my mother and there we didn't really have gardens there because it wasn't it wasn't what she did she she is amazing uh flower gardener she would plant like the most amazing beds and i remember that wasn't enjoyable (laughs) like for me i remember we were like oh my god Brother was just like, this is really fun. What do you call it, slave labor? Um, because we would go out there, and my mom would have these plans for these beds, and we're going to put in a waterfall here. And and um, I was like, yeah, that's really cool. I have no interest in it. So I think it became very apparent that I only liked gardening if I could eat it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. And then I met Monty, That's my husband, and he can throw a seed anywhere, and it'll and it'll grow. And I just. I remember like the minute I met him, um I went over to his house and there was all these house plants, and I was like, whose are these?" And he's like, they're mine, and I was like, "I love you, Mary." <laughs>
0: So are you saying we need to have Monty on the podcast, and he can teach us about gardening. We'll have He's very to. Shy.
1: We'll, we'll talk. We'll see. If Maybe we can he can talk do, an do an online it. course yeah. for us yeah, or some something. Reddit answer question things for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that would be, That's a good resource to have. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I think that's. I think that's funny because I listen to a lot of podcasts that are about gardening and all that stuff, and everyone they interview has some magical childhood experience with nature, or being outside. Maybe life takes them in all different directions, but when they look back at their childhood at a young age, there's something in there that's so impressionable, and I, I know that for me too. But we'll talk about that in in Europe in my
1: episode. Yeah, but I mean, like the other thing is too, is like my grandpa never let me plant anything. Oh, I wasn't, funny. I wasn't like a planter. You know, like I never had no experience gardening. I would literally trail behind him and he'd be like, you again? You know, he was always sweet about it, but I could tell he was sometimes he just like, oh, these wow. kids. I bet he would be pretty impressed with all you're doing. I like to think so. Yeah, I, I think about him a lot. And uh, he died, I think it was seven years ago. And I remember when I went out and I was doing the farmers interviews, there were times when I just could feel my grandpa. And I was like, oh. You would love this, and I could talk to him out there, and I just felt so connected to him doing these interviews. And I was like, oh, I just really wish that you would have made it to now because he 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 would have loved it. You know, he would have yeah. just thought it was so great. So yeah,
0: that's really sweet. We <laughs> won't get too emotional. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of told us about MoFaco and and how that all got started. Did you want to
1: add anything else about how you kind of went the the co op route? It just seemed like the cheapest option for everyone involved. Um, and it just seems so in line with, with the spirit of the market. Like we're all in this together. And it was the only way that I could do everything. You know, like I, I really, my problem my whole life in really being like, oh, this is what I want to be. And this is what I want to be is that I want to do everything. I can like, totally relate yeah. to that. I want to cook. I want to sew. I want to weave. You know, like these are all my interests and all the things that I want access to. Yeah. And so for me, you know, like I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. I yeah. just want access to them. And I think everybody feels that way, too. Right. So we can support the masters. We can support the community interests. And more importantly, I get to do what I want to do. <laughs> you right. know, like I don't have to pick. We can just do everything and learn everything and. So that's kind of why we went the co-op wrote, is because when we were sitting down trying to figure it out, we really didn't want to limit us to one thing. Like we, we just didn't want to be limited to only doing this and writing grants for this or being pigeonholed. We wanted it to keep it fresh. We wanted to keep it seasonal. We wanted to be able to evolve with tastes and what the community needed. And it just seems like that was the most viable structure.
0: Yeah. Well, it feels like pretty unique. I'm thinking back like I don't really know of anyone else that's doing something like that I'm
1: definitely not here in yeah s- in southern Utah I love St. George to death and one of the reasons why I love it to death is it's 10 years behind everything and so you know like yeah, there's it's a lot of room for progress and, yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's you know it's still a small town and but there there are definitely some big artisan co-ops and there's definitely food co-ops but merging them together seems merging, kind yeah. of unique I think it I think it might be I'm sure there's I don't know. I don't want to like, be like, yes, I'm the only one. Sure. Well, at least that we know of. But Yeah. 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 And I think it's a fun, like it, with all of the pieces moving, it's just incredible. Yeah. You
0: know? No, I'm so excited about it. Like when we first got talking about the podcast, I was telling you about how I had all these ideas and they like this. I feel like the stars aligned. Yeah. Because everything I want to do. You're going to do. I'm like, yeah, now I don't have to do all of that. I can just enjoy and help. Yeah. Or like, no, you have the place to do it. Right. And you you have know, the like, place to do it. Yeah. yeah. Was like,
1: well, yeah, we're hoping to fold that in with this. And so the, it gets really hard to explain it to people because, you know, they're like their brain stops at food and they don't hear the artisan part or they're right they stop at artisan and then it takes like almost three or four meetings and people are like oh wait this is a whole like you're doing all of it and yeah it's like yeah so well and
0: i like that it's all about bringing the community together because i know one thing i really i like you i have so many interests i have so many things i want to do but i get stuck when i'm it's just me mm-hmm. like i i would love to go to a class mm-hmm. and learn instead of you know YouTube and and Google and trying to learn it myself, I would so much more enjoy being with other people doing it together because that's how we're meant to function. You know, we're not meant to do everything solitary and, you know, closed off in our own little house.
1: So I'm, I'm so excited. And it just, you know, like for me, when I moved back here with my little boy, you know, I, I had no community I had no one. I I didn't have anybody that I could talk to or hang out with. Um, I think I had one or two friends from the first time I moved here, but I was so focused on my career that I didn't put down roots. And so then you kind of just stand there and you're like, well, how do I plug into a community? Yeah. And the farmer's market really got me through my postpartum. It got me through this. I just being there and meeting locals and talking to people and And connecting with makers and artisans and and farmers, it was just like, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, after season after season, bringing the kids program in, too, and meeting all these young families and becoming part of their tradition now. And to see this go into the co-op where it is like this is a community space. And we're here for you to meet the person making your soap. We're here for you to ask questions. We're here for you to go on the tours. We're here for you to take lessons. Like it brings us back to that pre-war Era. Yeah, yeah like pre-world war ii yeah. yeah like where it was like this community working together and, right and it wasn't so isolated and you didn't have google you learned it from the lady down the street but right like that's what i think we need to get back to
0: yeah no i i agree well how much work goes into running the markets and getting the co-op like up and running what does your average day look like with all the numerous things
1: you have to do <laughs> it's like it's a lot <laughs> I am terrible at tracking my hours cuz I think if I tracked my hours I would feel very discouraged. Yeah. Um it is it's so much work and when I took over the farmers market, the da- the Ancestor Square, the downtown farmers market here, if I had not established that relationship with the farmers through the interview, the paperwork alone I would have given up. Really? I would not have opened a farmer's market because it was so hard. Yeah. Um, it was meetings. It was, I mean, you know, and the city was great. They tried to help me as much as they could, but it was also, you know, I'm ADD. I have problems with paperwork, but, you know, so it had to be meticulous. You had to get this license. You had to check in with this person. You have to do this. You have to go over here. You have to be a part of this. You have to turn this in. You have to have your marketing. You have to have this. You have, like, there was so much paperwork. Um, and then going, you know, trying to get approved to have SNAP too to serve our veterans are disabled and our young families at the markets, that was a whole nightmare. And that it took almost four months for us to get approved to have SNAP at a market that already had SNAP before, but you have to reapply with a new owner. Yeah. So if I had not had that relationship and knew how great it was and how worthwhile it was, I wouldn't have done it. And then but that's in my off seasons or what used to be my off seasons. Um, and so now what I do, I do a lot of work. I wake up. Let's see. I wake up. I do my morning routine. I try to meditate. I try to make my priorities before I open uh, my email box. And then I try to get my son squared away. I try to get him to school. And then after that, I I try to answer as many emails and phone calls from vendors and public questions that we have. I Then on certain days of the week, I schedule all of our social media for all four channels. Um, I'm hopping on the Utah Farmers Market Leaders uh, Coalition. They're trying to start a network for us too. And then luckily I have um, with MOFICO, I have found a really great board. And so I'm starting to delegate some of the development of MOFICO to them, um, which is great. So we have Jane Muller as our president. She's very meticulous. She's been getting things in order for us on that end. And then we've been really lucky with our collaboration with 6-Bit Creative and Alicia Lockwood and Brian, um over there they have just been amazing and so they've been really helping us with our marketing and trying to get us into uh, more sustainable patterns but uh it's a long day like yeah you know and it, it never stops. Right. Well, when you run your <laughs> own business. Yeah. Like it's never ending. And it's just like and everybody too it's kind of a curse and a and a blessing. Like it's only me behind it right now. And so I can I know the routine. I have consistency. I know what the message is, but then the curse is it's only me. And so people know that too. They're like, well, I emailed you and you never got back to me. And I was like, well, it wasn't a specific email that you sent <laughs> like, You know, you got back, Bernard, I'm sorry. But yeah, so right now um, the biggest Problem for me is that we are trying to put in new systems for everything to eliminate the paperwork. It is incredible the amount of paperwork that farmers markets have to have on hand in case they ever get audited. Wow. Like what I carry around is just like buckets. Like I have to have proof that they've acknowledged this, I have to have copies of their license, I have to have this, I have to have my things. And so um, I found some really great software on the back end. So that update should be coming soon for all of the people that are applying. It'll keep it in one place. They have to turn it in. It's a completely separate program that should run with our website. We're getting our website redone. We're getting the podcast squared away. So it's uh, right now it's trying to automate everything. Yeah. So we're hoping that it condenses and gets easier. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Well, you got this.
1: (laughs) Yes, we got this.
0: So what's something that's been a surprise prize for you since you started getting, like, getting to know all these farmers and makers? Is
1: there something that kind of just came out of nowhere that you weren't really expecting? Okay, I mean this in the nicest way possible, so if anybody gets mad, I'm sorry. I am surprised at how similar artists and farmers are with their eccentricities. It really is just a different art form. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's so interesting because they're so, uh, some of them are so seasoned. Like, you know, you go to these art shows and you meet the artists and they've got this very professional veneer and they're, you know, they're thick skinned and can take criticism. And but farmers have that too. Yeah. And it's so funny that both of them interviewing them and getting to know them, like to see that public persona come off, see just their little kooky personalities. And it's also funny to see them interact because it's really hard. It's working with like 60 artists. Artists are usually very isolated people. Yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, they're in their own zone. They right. work by themselves because they like it a particular way. Well, farmers are like that too. And so. This person's eccentricity is does not mesh well with this person. And so we have to move them and find personalities that work together and products that work together. It's so interesting. Like, yeah, it's just so funny to see that they're all just artists. Yeah. It's fun to, to be in their bubble for a little while because they just blow your mind yeah you know people always talk about oh well we live in utah not in california or not in like you know new mexico where there's this artist mecca but there is some crazy artisans and farmers here that are doing incredible things that are winning all these awards and they're making new ways to do things and it's mind-blowing yeah well we'll get to learn all about it yeah you will yeah (laughs) we will Okay, well, if you could start all over, what's one thing you wish you would have known? I don't wish I would have known anything because I wouldn't have done it, really? Yeah, like and I still sometimes I'm like, I don't want to know anything because I'll stop. like don't tell me till I need to know that because I it's hard. yeah, it is. it's so hard. like it's just it's paperwork and it's maybe that's what I wish I would have known is it's work, but it's fun and just do it. Like, I think that the farmer's market above all has just taught me to just dive in. Like, you don't know what you're doing. No one knows what they're doing. You'll figure it out as you go. It'll all work out. Just go. Like, because if you start researching it, if you think about it, if you're researching and you're looking, you're going to start finding all this stuff and you're like, oh, I can't start a 501c3. Oh, I need to start a 501c3. I have no other options. So let's dive into this nonprofit nonsense or, you know, like, oh, I don't want to have to do this. Well, you have to. So now let's go. But if I had sat down, got the idea, mapped it all out, started looking into it, I would have stopped. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, then I guess that's a good time to ask you what motivates you to keep going.
1: What motivates me to keep going is my artists and my farmers. You know, they probably feel like family now. I mean And if you don't do it, who will? And it's you know, our farmers market has been around for twelve years. So these farmers have been here for 12 years. You know, so in 12 years, Nikki and those guys are, were amazing and did what they could and really were trailblazers for us with the city. Like she and Jill and uh, and that whole group really got the city to open their eyes that this was needed. But it took them 12 years to get the city to get on board and, wow. and to get the community on board. Yeah. And so it's like, well, if it took 12 years for them, these really amazing, smart business women to do this. If I step out now, how long is it going to take for somebody else right. to step up and do it? You know, so that's what keeps me going. Is I see that it's family businesses. I see that it is young mothers making these things, or this is a family thing that has been going on forever, and the kids are leaving because they have jobs, and so this is like the mother and dad are still just holding on and selling what they can. Like this is a life, you know. Like I guess my butt's not on the line but I am responsible for their businesses. I'm responsible to do as much as I can to benefit my community. That is my responsibility. That's all of our responsibility. And so I just think that if I walked away right now, I don't think I would ever forgive myself for not trying as hard as I could.
0: Well, hopefully the community appreciates everything that you're,
1: they do. that you're they're doing. Real, they're sweet. Yeah, they can be cheeky, but I know they love me. I'm sure they do. <laughs> No, I, they're great. They're they're sweet to me. So
0: yeah, well, and even I mean, as the whole community of Southern Utah, I think it's so important to have a farmers market where they can connect yeah. to these people because it's so hard. Like if you look stuff up online, you know, you don't you don't get to meet the people, mm-hmm. you don't get to you know see what they have, see what they're doing, get to know who they are, and it just puts like a complete distance. And I don't know, I yeah. I wish I could buy everything. Local like furniture, toys, clothes, food. I wish I could do it all here, right? Because I just you know sometimes I think I should have been born you know like eighty years ago when that was all (laughs) Mm -hmm. a thing. Maybe even before then. But then we wouldn't have a podcast. But then we wouldn't have a podcast. (laughs) But because I I understand that, I totally long for that. So I'm really excited. I. I think that's the future though I yeah. think we're, we're we kind of step back we went all consumer and you know now we're kind of realizing that we can't go forward that way. And I think yeah. this is going to be the future. I mean, everyone's going to kind of have to
1: switch back. Yeah. Especially with just the cost of petroleum, the cost of shipping, tariffs, everything that we're going through, this global discussion of import and export. Like if you're not worried about all of the things you're bringing in that could be gone tomorrow, what are you doing? <laughs> like, If you don't realize that half the food in our grocery store could be gone in one decision. Yeah. Well, we only have like three days worth
0: of food in grocery stores. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's a natural disaster or something happens
1: and there's a shutdown, I mean, we're kind of in trouble. Yeah. Well, not to be too bleak, everyone. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But, you know, like this is what's scaring me. That's what I'm worried about now too. Yeah. Last October, our water line broke on Halloween and within 24 hours, it was terrifying. I was like, oh my gosh, we have no water. Like we don't. What are we going to do? And so go it's, down on the river and yeah, get some buckets. Like, oh my gosh! Like we are seriously sitting ducks here. And so that's just been kind of in the forefront of all of our minds as we've been going for this year. And we've just been like, well, how can we start getting things here? Yeah. How can we eliminate our, you know, our dependency yeah. on the outside? Yeah. Yeah. Like so, if something happens, we're not screwed, right? So yeah. No, I think that's totally. Yeah. And, and I think that people will start doing that, too. And yeah. I think it is. I think there's a movement for it. Right. And I think people are realizing it. So
0: what's something that you failed at and what did you learn from it? I fail
1: at so many things that I can't even think of one.
0: But that means that you're, yeah. you're, but that's you're moving what, forward. Yeah, you're learning. That's what I
1: learned is that you're going to fail all the time. Yeah. And fail
0: failing is not something to yeah. fear either.
1: It means... And when I was younger... Yeah, like, it doesn't mean that that's the end. But when I was younger, I would let it stop me. I'd be like, Oh, I had a major failure. We're not doing this anymore. You know, and I would immediately change course and just abandon, like, whatever I was doing. Yeah. But now it's just, you know, like, I run into so many closed doors, or I drop the ball, or... Things just didn't jive. You know, as hard as I'm trying to work this one thing, it doesn't work. And so I have to leave it. But right now, we're just in such a season of growth that it's, I cannot afford to care about failing. Yeah. If I start thinking about it, I will never leave my house. It's just every day. Okay, we failed at that. Let's move on. So I guess that's what I've learned is that I just, you just you keep moving on. Yeah. 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 You have to know that you're going to fail and know that your biggest fail hasn't even happened yet. So just keep going. Well, then what's been your biggest success? The farmer's market. Definitely last season, it was very scary for me because it, you know, like you step into this career where you're not just managing people, you're not just managing retail, you're managing a live event every for 26 weeks. Yeah. And this is people's livelihood. To have the kind of season that we had was amazing. Like I have so much love for this community and so much love for the young families and so much love for the programs like Champion Your Wellbeing did the wellness program, the cooking program every Saturday. So we had a free cooking class every Saturday that focused on making your kitchen more self-sustainable. And then we um, had diversity teach which was the free youth drop-in activity. And they taught sustainability and upcycling and recycling with cultural diversity. So she actually partnered with people in the community and found just these beautiful lessons. And then we also had the Little Homestead Society and they were more of an elevated art. Um, But it was, again, it was a free program for kids. And they would do these really amazing art nature activities and to see the community come out week after week and support these small businesses and support the artisans and support these programs, like I just had just this glowing feeling of success. I was like, "This is what it's all about. If this is as good as it gets, if this is the one summer I get where everybody bears the heat and comes out, like that'll be enough." Because it was so phenomenal to just see the community rally behind these. Yeah, I think that was my greatest success. Well, awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. I like it. Well, then we'll kind of move
0: into our final questions. Exactly. The lightning round. Okay. Okay. So, what makes Utah special, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think what makes Utah special is oh gosh, there's so many things. I'm really, I really am not stalling, you guys. There are so many things. I love the uh, geography. Of Utah. I think it is like within an hour, you can be in pine mountains, you can be in the desert, you can we have so many national parks. It's like the whole thing just connects down. Oh yeah, it's insane. It Utah is, is beautiful. Yeah. And, and I actually took like a natural geography class or a physical geography class when I um, stayed home with Ira and everything that we studied, she would pull up, she'd be like, okay, an example of this is in Utah. The textbook was all full of examples from Utah. And so for me, I feel like Utah is this super special, unique topography. And we get to take care of that. And we get to live here. It's a privilege. We get to put our souls into this land. Like We get to be the steward. And so um, I think that's what makes Utah special. And I think that everyone here on some level will tell you that's why they love Utah. They're all landing in their little areas and it's because they have this, I don't know if it's a pioneering vibe. I don't know if that's marked the land. I don't know if it's all of the Native American cultures that were here that have just put so much love into the land before we got here but this land is so special and it calls to so many people. And I think that's what makes this place impossible to leave. What's been your favorite part about the farmer's market community? You kind of mentioned that already. Yeah. But Building community, just being a part of a community has been the best part to me. Like I have patrons, you know, they're People that come and shop the market—that there is no way I would have ever met them. I would have never met them. They're, like I couldn't even have ran into them on the street if I wanted to. And I see them every week. We catch up. I know their kids. I know their family. I know what they like to eat. You know, yeah. and um, and also just you know developing this relationship with the farmers too and the and the makers like just seeing all these it just it actually has really restored my faith in humanity because you know we're all hard on the outside and then when you start meeting these people and just learning about what they've gone through and you know, all the love that goes into these products. It's just like, I'm so lucky to be here. You know, like I'm so lucky that this is it, you know? Wow. I like that. feel pretty nerdy. So, (laughs) well, do you have a favorite book,
0: publication, or social media account that you find inspirational?
1: Yes. My favorite book, I'm going to say of all time right now, is um, Animal Vegetable Mineral by Barbara Kingsolver. It is, uh, when I read it, or listen to it because I listen while I work. That's the only way I get through everything. I listen to. I think it's like a fifteen or sixteen hour book, and I think I listened to it six times. Wow! I just started it back over. I started it back over, and. She, it's just her goal to live locally and off the land, and doing it with her two kids and her husband. And but they bring in all of it's just amazing. Yeah, I, I love it, and it's so inspirational. And if there's ever a time where I feel like I'm not inspired by what I do, I just listen to that book, and I'm like, "Yep, this matters."
0: Well, we'll include that in the show notes too. So if anyone wants access, I'm gonna have to read it now. Oh, it's amazing! It'll change
1: you when you read it. You'll just sit there and go, "Yes, yes." Yes. Whoa. I'm going to rewind that. Yes. Like it it really is just it makes my heart happy even thinking about it. Like I just love it. I've never had that kind of a connection with a book, but yeah, that, that's really special. Yeah. And uh the I think the second one would be Braiding Sweetgrass uh by Robin Kimmerer. I can never say her name. Robin Kimmerer. It's an amazing book too. That one I'm halfway through it. And yeah. it's it's incredible yes animal vegetable mineral if you're looking for farming or inspiration for living off the land robin just the way that she makes you evaluate your relationship with the land yeah totally transformative yeah. those two books together like you just can't go back yeah you're like okay i get it what do i need to do <laughs> like every Come to day. the farmer's market how do i take care of this place <laughs> like, okay i'm going to the farmer's market it's a good place to start that's yeah, a starting that's a point place
0: So why should people buy local food and support local farmers and makers?
1: It is so much healthier for you, you guys. Every time I log on to Facebook or every time I get on something or every time I get an email with a newsletter, it is about them finding something in food or, you know, like... All of this synthetic crap that we've been putting on our body is all of a sudden causing this or we didn't realize we were putting microfilaments of plastic into the water and now the fish are 90% plastic because they're taking in the water. It's just, it is so much healthier for you. Like, trust me, just trust me, especially if you're here in St. George. We've been to the farms. I've looked at what they're doing. Nobody's lying to you here. You know, like we have vetted our farmers. If they say it's not in there, it's not in there. We only have one farmer that's certified organic because the process is so crazy and it's expensive and it's expensive and it's out, it's crazy. But for animals too, like you can't be certified organic if you have a nail sticking out on wow. like their house. Wow. Like, nope, you can't. They could poke that and it's rusty and they're not organic. It helps to know who's making it. You're removing all of this weird stuff that's in the product. I remember. remember when I switched to lotions, I started using this locally made lotion and I remember my skin got super dry and then all of a sudden it wasn't dry anymore. And I was like, oh, it was purging. Like, you know, I was going through this purging process, but it's just so much better for you. The food tastes better. You feel better. Like you don't run the risk of getting all this crazy stuff that they're putting in your food. Like, I just think that there's going to become a time Well, it's here that you cannot trust what you're buying in the grocery store. You just can't. We could do a whole podcast on that. You can't trust what they're putting in the grocery store anymore. Like it will kill you. I just wish that people understood that. Like the reason this guy is charging more for the chickens is not because he's trying to screw you over and it's local. I mean, he's out there eight hours a day making sure they're not getting into anything, making sure they're eating right. Goes out there and moves those chicken tractors every half a day. I just wish that people understood how much better it is for you and your family and your house and the earth. Maybe we can do a deep dive
0: episode on industrial agriculture, plastic pollution chemicals and how or synthetic chemicals and how they affect your body we could do episodes on all of that because i feel like people just don't know and i will say ignorance is bliss once you learn the truth you're like oh really there's hormone disruptor in baby wipes
1: like what yeah but it it should get you motivated it should make you feel empowered So you're empowered. You have this knowledge now. You're empowered. You're making better decisions and you're going to take your health and your family and what you can control into your control. Like, and I just, I wish people understood that and I hope that they do and I hope and and like I said, I think that this is a time where people are like, okay what are our other options? Right. So I believe as a collective whole I have faith in people that we're we're getting there and that people want answers and people are not going to be complacent with this. Yeah.
0: Well then if listeners want to learn more about all you're doing, how can
1: they find you on like social media? If you want to keep up with my personal projects um, I am Downtown Farmer Cat on on, um Instagram or I have a public profile on Facebook and that's where I post all of my parenting shenanigans and all the stuff that I'm working on behind scenes. But really, if you follow either the downtown farmer's market, St. George, West Village Farmers, or mofaco utah um right now those are all me so i just i will keep you appraised on all of those so any of those channels and even our markets they're available on both instagram and facebook so if you have platforms that you prefer you can do that you can subscribe to our newsletter through mailchimp and uh yeah just tune into mofaco now that it's live, um, that's where we'll be putting the blog, The hopefully the podcast will be able to be in there. You can register to be a vendor on there and um, you can always email me. We'll include all that <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it's easy access for everybody. Yeah. Basically, all roads lead to me. Okay. Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to share? No, I think that's good. I think that's
1: enough of me. I think that people, I think that's all they need to know. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for, for talking with me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for setting this up. Yeah, you betcha.
1: If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support.
0: Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at Mofeco, Utah, and sign up for our email list at mofacoyutah.com slash podcast slash sign up to stay up to date on all this podcast has to offer. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we hope, hope to see you at the farmers, farmer's market. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard.